Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. Well, good morning, church. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to be dealing with an important topic that I feel needs to be re-emphasized in the life of the church. And I want to start by reading to you an excerpt from a newsletter that I've published in my book. It's called The Story of Never Retold. And Noah is encountering God. And the Lord said unto Noah, Where is the ark which I commanded thee to build? And Noah said unto the Lord, Verily, I have had three carpenters of ill, and the gopher wood supplier hath let me down. Yea, even though the gopher wood have been on order for nigh upon twelve months. Sounds like South Africa. What can I do, Lord? And the Lord saith unto Noah, I want the ark finished, even after seven days and nights. And Noah said, It will be so. And it was not so. And all the contractors said, Amen. And the Lord said unto Noah, What seemeth to be the trouble this time? And Noah said unto the Lord, My subcontractor hath gone bankrupt. The pitch which thou commandest me to put on the outside and on the inside of the ark hath not arrived. The plumber hath gone on strike. Shem, who helpeth me on the ark side of the business, hath formed a pop group with his brothers Ham and Japheth. Lord, I am undone. And the Lord grew angry and said, And what about the animals, the male and female of every kind, that are ordered to come to thee and keep their seed alive upon the face of the earth? And Noah said, They have been delivered unto the wrong address, but they should arrive on Friday. And the Lord said unto Noah, How about the unicorns and the fowls of the air by sevens? And Noah wrung his hands and wept, saying, Lord, unicorns are a discontinued line. Thou canst not get them for love nor money. And the fowls of the air are only sold in half dozens. Lord, Lord, thou knowest how it is. And the Lord in his wisdom said, Noah, my son, I knowest. Why else do you think I caused a flood to descend upon the earth? Well, we can all relate to this, can't we? Excuses and the lack of service delivery in our own country in South Africa. We see plumbing and builders and all sorts of people failing and failing to produce and failing to deliver. And uh, South Africa has the lowest growth rate of the developing countries in the world. We have the highest labor costs and the lowest return on labor because nothing is done well anymore. And we need to become people of excellence. Otherwise, we will not develop this country to the true potential that it actually has. And the church is the first place where excellence should start. Michelangelo stands out as one of the greatest artists, one of the most significant figures of all time. And uh, he painted the Sistine Chapel, the roof of the Sistine Chapel, lay there for hours painting it. And many people came to him and said, why do you bother to put such great detail in? No one's really going to see it. And these were his words, I will and God will. You know, when Bartholdi did the sculpture of the Statue of Liberty, flight hadn't been invented. And people said to him, don't worry about the head. But he worried about the details on the head and flight was invented and millions of people fly over that statue and admire it. So it's seen by God, it's seen by people and excellence needs to be something we embrace. What's the definition of excellence today? Well, it's first class outstanding, exceptional, fine, superior, above average. I love that. 
And the old French from which the word exhaler comes from is to surpass, to be superior, to rise, to be eminent. And it comes from ex, which means out from, and salaire means from a high tower. So we want high standards. We want superior things. Jesus was excellent, and we need to imitate him. Isn't that true? In Mark chapter 7, verse 37, it says the people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So wherever Jesus went, things improved. And I reckon wherever we go, things need to improve. Can you say amen? So eight important truths about excellence today. Then we'll look at how we can become people of excellence. Number one, everyone wants it, but few are willing to supply it. We want the best surgeons, the best dentists, the best cars, the best jewelry, the best food. And doctors can't get it right six out of ten. Isn't that the truth? You can't go to a chemist and say, hey, give me a prescription, and if you get it right seven out of ten, I'll be happy. We all want excellence, but so few people are willing to give it. Imagine if an airline serviced a 747, and they said uh, after half an hour, that will do. It's impossible. We need excellence. But so few people are willing to deliver it. You know, over a period of time, Woolworths as a store, their profits just kept increasing. 15.5%, 2004, 2005. It just kept growing, kept growing, because there's demand for excellence. But even Woolworths, can you believe it? In 2018, their profits dropped by 17.5%, and their share price dropped because people aren't able to consistently deliver excellence. They want it, but they can't consistently deliver it. And how many of you know, you can't get what you won't give. So let's be people who give it. Secondly, it's the basis for reputation, respect, success, and profit. If you want a good reputation, you want success, you want profit, then you have to offer excellence. Think of names like Mercedes, BMW, Rolls-Royce, Bentley, Gucci, Versace, Tag Heuer, Swarovski, Rolex. All those names bring to mind quality. They have a reputation for excellence and they're respected. Hotels have star ratings, why? Because we measure excellence and we determine whether we're gonna respect that hotel or not. The star rating is a measure or a standard. Even cars have a NACAP rating so that when they crash, you can know how safe they are. Is this a good car or a cheap car? Very, very important. Do you know Ford bought the names Jaguar and Volvo not because they wanted the companies, they just wanted the name. Because Jaguar stood for class, Volvo stood for safety, and that was worth $9 billion all the way back in the early 2000s. So excellence is something that brings respect, and it's so important that we carry that reputation as the church. I do believe the church should be the forerunners in excellence. Edward Simmons was an American painter, outstanding artist, and he said the difference between failure and success is doing a thing nearly right and doing it exactly right. And we need to be people who do it exactly right. How many of you noticed in business, everyone is shaving a little bit off, shaving a little bit off, giving you less. When you buy a packet of cornflakes, half the box is air. That's not excellence. In the end, we don't respect those products. When we think of currency, it's interesting when you study the roots of currency because currency first got its original name from a German man who lived in a valley and the valley was called the Thaler Valley. And he got a reputation because all the coins he made were exactly minted with the same amount of gold. He didn't add lead, he didn't add silver. So his coin was the real, the real measure. And then the, the, the Dutch took the name from the Valley Thaler and they called it Dalders. 
Then it became dollars, and today it's called dollars. And the dollar stands as the preeminent currency that when you, when you measure every other currency by it, you can know it's the highest standard. It's got that reputation. And I believe the church and Christians need to have that reputation. We are what we say we are, and we're consistent, and you can respect us, and that's where success comes from. Number three, this is the one where people complain. It's not perfectionism. People respond negatively to excellence. Oh, you want us? No, no, no. It's about being the best we can be. A perfectionist is a person who takes pains and then gives them to others. We don't want to be like that, do we? But the Bible tells us to strive for perfection in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. But perfectionism is a terrible thing. It's a difficult thing to live under. And our church doesn't have a spirit of perfectionism. It has a spirit of excellence. And excellence is doing the best with what you have, not with what you don't have. Even if you have a little, you live with a little and you've got a little, you do the best with it. So even poor people can be excellent and small churches can be excellent. I love what Philippians 4 says. It says, finally, brothers, and it's talking to the sisters too, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So excellence is an attitude, it's a way of thinking, but it's not perfectionism. Number four, I love this about excellence. It honors God and inspires people. Whenever we do things well, we honor God. When we run our church well, we honor God. When dignitaries come into a venue and you honor them and you lead them to a seat and you give them good food and good coffee, you honor them. And so excellence always honors God and it inspires people. I love going into a hotel for you and being greeted by a friendly smile, don't you? It's nice when you walk into the oyster box down in Durban because when you walk towards the hotel, they're already smiling from outside and then you walk into reception and they're smiling inside. Excellence honors God and it inspires people. I get inspired by that. Another thing about excellence that's important is timing. Do you know that you honor and inspire people when you're on time? Time is valuable. People say, oh, time doesn't matter. You're living in Africa. No, no, no. No, when a car's engine's timing is out, it doesn't run properly. And so we need to be people of timing. I love what Stradivarius said, the great violin maker. He said, other men will make violins, but no man will make a better one. God needs violence to send his music into the world. If my violins are defective, God's music will be spoiled. I believe South Africa needs excellence and God needs his people to be excellent. Otherwise, what he wants to do through us will be spoiled and the great potential of South Africa will be spoiled. Number five, this is important church. Never excuse a lack of excellence. It's a reflection of who we are. Let's not be excellent to impress people, but let it be the value that we have that flows through our lives. And people always excuse it, especially in Africa. Relax, you're in Africa now, as though Africa has a different clock. Is there such a thing as African time? No, there's only the world as a global village. And we need to raise the bar, get in line with world standards of food, accounting, engineering, driving, medicine, safety, etc., etc. George Washington Carver was a black slave who came from terrible deprivation. But he became educated, became a scientist, and he found 285 uses for peanuts. 
He was known as the black Leonardo of his day. Pretty amazing. And he said this, 99% of people who are failures in life are people who are in the habit of making excuses. Let's not make excuses for a lack of excellence. Number six, this is even more important. It is no accident. You don't just happen to be excellent. It takes planning, desire, and design. And it's not about the place you live in. It's the place that lives in you. W. Somerset Maugham said the funny thing about life, if you refuse to accept anything but the best, you very often get it. So if you're determined to have excellence, excellence will flow into your life. And my favorite saying is the difference between excellence and mediocrity is one word, effort. When you put effort in, that's when you see excellence. And laziness is often a result of a lack of excellence. Now, people get offended when you say they're lazy. But laziness is simply this. It's resting before you're tired. And success is knowing the difference between tiredness and laziness. But when we put in the effort, effort brings success and money follows close after that. Many of you would have heard of Caesar Ritz, the Swiss hotelier who invented or opened and developed the Ritz Hotel. He was an amazing man, and when he opened his first hotel in Paris, he slept on every new mattress himself to make sure that it was good enough for the clients. He then sat at every table to make sure it was the right height. And just before the dining room opened, he got them in, closed up the doors, and sawed a little bit off every table because it was just a little bit too high for comfortable dining. He also was one of the first to coin the phrase, the customer is always right. And he set new standards for hygiene and cleanliness in hotels. The Ritz Hotel today still stands out as one of the best hotels in the world. And if you go to Switzerland, there's a school that trains people on how to serve in hotels around the world, it is known for excellence, but it was no accident. It comes by design. Number seven, this is lovely. Excellence inspires and attracts people. If you're in business, if you're a church, we want to attract people, don't we? We don't want to repel people, and excellence is attractive. When you consider Solomon's temple and what God did through the gifting that he gave Solomon, people stood in awe, and the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon. And I believe this is a picture or a parallel of the church. Let me read from 2 Chronicles chapter 9. It says, when the queen of Sheba heard, it, there, there was a reputation, she heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions, arriving with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. That's how our info counter needs to be. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, I like this as a picture of our church, as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, they went all over the place, the attending servants, the ushers in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. I'd love for our people to be overwhelmed when they come into our church and see how we run everything and not be offended at the offering, but to be blessed by our people giving with excellence, serving with excellence. It inspires and it attracts people. Always remember John Maxwell said, we attract who we are, not who we want. And if we want to attract excellent people, we need to be excellent people. Number eight, here is the last quality of excellence. It's a key ingredient for success. People think that if they're in the right conditions, 
They will be excellent. No, they need to have the right spirit in them. Daniel was in Babylon under less than ideal circumstances, Daniel chapter 6. And it says Daniel soon showed that he could do better work than the other supervisors or the governors. Because he was so outstanding or excellent, the king considered putting him in charge of the whole empire. You know what I've discovered today? People complain about their rights. They want to strike. They want to angle an engineer for promotion. No, just be the best. It'll attract money. It'll attract promotion. And you will end up being the best. And you will, when you're the best, you get sought after. You get headhunted. Joyce Hall was the one who invented Hallmark cards. I'm sure you've all even given out a, a, a Hallmark greeting card way back in 1910. You know, he was only 18 years old. But his slogan was this, when you care enough to send the very best. I love that because he went on to say this. He said, if a man goes into business with only the idea of making money, chances are he won't. But if he puts service and quality first, the money will take care of itself. How amazing is that? If we become people of excellence, we will gain a reputation. We will be people that attract people, but it's no accident. It's something we have to engineer, church. And if we do, God is honored and people are inspired. Well, I hope you've been helped by that. So now we're going to have a look at some of the ways that we can live a life of excellence in the remaining time that we have. So firstly, how to live a life of excellence? Embrace it, never be critical of it. You can't embrace something that you're critical of. And so many people are critical of excellence because they're unmotivated to achieve it. But if you criticize something, then you'll never achieve it. Many of you would have heard of Aesop's fables, the story of the fox that kept jumping up to try and reach the grapes. Eventually it gave up because it couldn't reach the grapes and it made this confession. Oh, they were sour anyway. Let's not be people because we can't reach excellence that give up on it. Let's keep putting in the effort and let's strive for it. Because when you do your best now, you're preparing yourself for your future. In prison, Joseph kept giving his best. In the foreign land, Daniel kept giving his best. And guess what? Their moment came and God elevated them. Oprah Winfrey, who we don't quote often, lest Christians become offended. She said this, doing the best at this moment puts you in the best place for the next moment. So you need to be excellent no matter where you are. Don't be critical of it because you're preparing your life for the next level. Number two, admire and emulate excellent people and organizations. If you admire excellence, then you'll pursue it. Anything we don't admire, we won't pursue. And you can never aspire to something that you don't admire or criticize. That's logical, I suppose. But here's the thing. Don't be intimidated by excellence. Be inspired by excellence. Too many people are intimidated by it and feel it's to do with a place. No, it's to do with a person, the kind of person you are. And never forget, church, we serve the God of excellence who we imitate. Two verses here, Psalm 150. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. If God is excellently great, surely we should emulate. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, it says, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he looked out, and he didn't see average. He saw excellent. So let's admire excellence, and let's strive for excellence. Number three, what we must be willing to do is be willing to pay the price. 
be willing to pay the price. Nothing just happens. You know, South Africa needs to become a success story, but it's going to take a price. If you consider Singapore, one of the nations that was a third world nation in 1948, its per capita income was equal to that of people in Ghana. Today it is a first world country. They say it's the Wall Street of Asia. How did it get there? It got there because people paid the price. They were determined to be excellent. They were determined to obey the law. They put the work and the effort in. And as a result, Singapore today is greatly admired. Remember, the difference between excellence and mediocrity is effort. That one amazing word. And if we pay the price in our businesses, the customer will be willing to pay the price too. Often we're not willing to pay the price, but we charge the customer a high price. Let's pay the price and we'll receive the price we want. Jack Walsh, who was the General Electric CEO, he said this, and I think this is good for South Africa. He said, quality is our best assurance of customer allegiance, customer loyalty, our strongest defense against foreign competition, and the only path to sustain growth and earnings. People complain about China, but people in China work hard, and they try and make their products the best. Let South Africa be a place where we pay the price, where we're not looking to relax all the time. We have to stretch to it. Mediocrity, you just ease into that excellence you have to stretch towards. It demands something of you. And let's remember the Bible tells us to excel. Human beings want the easy way, but the Bible tells us to excel, to make the effort. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace of giving. I believe we need to excel in every area, church. We need people to excel in our giving, excel in our marriages, excel in our relationships, excel in our homes. It's not what you own, it's how you look after what you own. And I believe God is honored and people are inspired. Number four, make it a way of life. Excellence is not something you used to impress others. Once in a while, it should be a way of life. Excellence has to be in us before it will flow from us. And so we must cultivate it as a way of life. Let it be in your spirit as a value. Anne Rand, the author, said this, a creative man is motivated by the desire to achieve, not by the desire to beat others. Sometimes people put on excellence to impress, but let's rather build excellence into our lives as a good value. And it's not about living in an upmarket area. It's about excellence living in you. And people always say, you're lucky to live in Santa. No, Daniel in a foreign land was excellent. Joseph in a prison was excellent. And it takes effort, but it needs to be a way of life. I love the story of the great singer Caruso. Some of you are too young to even know who he was, but he was one of the greatest singers of history. He had an amazing voice, and people were spellbound in the day before we had all the electronics that we have today. And he was invited to do a benefit concert for charity, and uh, it was going to be for free. So the organizers of the concert said this to him. They said to him, when you come, choose the easy songs and don't put too much, just relax and enjoy yourself. And they say he drew himself up, as they said in those days. He drew himself up and he said, Caruso can only give his best. You see, it was a way of life to him. He couldn't suddenly come because it was for free and chill. He was a man of excellence. That's why he's so well known. Number five, pay attention to details. So many people want to be excellent, but they don't pay attention to the details. Big things can be ruined by small details being overlooked. 
How many of you have been to a great restaurant, but the waiters were poor? The food was good, but the waiter's service was terrible. Or you had a fly in your soup. You see, good things can be spoiled by small details. Isn't that true? And most of you would remember the story of the Columbia Space Shuttle. It cost millions and billions of dollars to send up into space, and it exploded, killing all the occupants carried teachers and, and people from the secular world. And the problem was just a little rubber ring that shrunk when the temperature dropped. That detail was overlooked and lives were lost and millions of dollars and years of research were destroyed. Michelangelo said this, trifles make perfection, but perfection itself is no trifle. And lastly today, never allow others to lower your standards. You'll find people always try and pull you back, but you need to rise. And if it's difficult, you need to look to God and rise above the standards because most people will accept average and most people will be intimidated by excellence. Steve Jobs said this, and I love the saying. He said, be a yardstick of quality. Some people aren't used to an environment where excellence is expected. I believe we need to be influencers. We need to be changers and we need to go and influence others. So as we close today, let me tell you about something very interesting. The Dutch, when they find that their tulips are inferior, they cut the anthers from those tulips and they then take those inferior tulips and plant them next to superior tulips. And those superior tulips then pollinate the inferior tulips and thus the standard of the tulips is kept at a high standard and the tulips command serious money. This is true of what we need to do in South Africa. We need to be pollinating others, not allowing them to pull our standards down and let's keep international standards and be influencers. And often we're too afraid to say anything. That reminds me of what I read in Parma in Italy. The people in Parma are experts at opera. And on one occasion they were sitting watching an opera and a lady came out on stage and began to sing and halfway through she couldn't strike the note. And she was quite embarrassed, but what the whole audience did was they sang out the right note, ah, in unison. And she was so embarrassed, she ran off the stage. Now that's a funny story, but I believe that's what we need to do. We need to know the note. We need to know the standards of excellence. We need to sing it out, and we need to change the tone of our country for the glory of God and to help people. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 